Hello and welcome to week five of our Lenten podcast series. My name is Mary. I'm here with Pastor Ben, Jenna, who is our children's director at Pathway Church, and Pastor Jason. Week five, I kind of can't believe it. Uh, We're not too far away from Easter, but we don't want to rush to the resurrection. That's um, where our hope is found, but it's um, one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is to sit in the season that we're in, to sit um, in the season of Lent. Um, and I heard it said once, and I just, I think it's simple, but beautiful that Lent is an opportunity to empty ourselves of the lesser things of this world to be filled with the greater goodness of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what we're here to do. And if you're new, we have been approaching this, um, by unpacking the lectionary verses, um, from each week. So we're going to be looking at the lectionary passages from this past Sunday and, um, just what they might be telling us. And there's so much that they can reveal to us, um, not just individually, but when we look at them together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so today, you can find us in the body of the post, um, but you um, might wanna just have this for reference right now. We're gonna be looking at Ephesians 5, 8 to 14, Psalm 23, John 9, and 1 Samuel 16, um, verses one through 13. Um, and if you've been watching this for some time, um, before we kind of dive in, we would love to hear from you. So comment um, on this post if you're watching it on Facebook or YouTube. I don't. Can they comment on a podcast on Spotify? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Actually, they, you can like can, it though. Yeah, <laughs> you can like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure yeah. Try, but... You can make com- You can review. Yeah, yeah you can. Oh yeah, leave yeah. a review. Yeah. Leave a review. A rating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're new okay. to this. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Help us out. Help more people see it. Leave a rating and review. Yeah. Share it with your friends. The more, Whatever the more you ratings, can do, the better. <laughs> we would just love to know um, just how it's been of a benefit to you. If you've been enjoying it, what particular aspects have have you uh, enjoyed about it? Um, they would just be hmm. really helpful as we kind of proceed. And um, like we mentioned at the beginning of this series, we want you to journey through Lent, like in community, and even getting that feedback from you. Um, it's kind of a part of that. Mm. So it makes it not just this thing that like we're here recording and you're listening to elsewhere, but that we can kind of also be in this together and add some more connection there. Um, so today we are going to be talking about the good shepherd, specifically the shepherd of the blind. And we are going to be starting in Ephesians 5, if you'd like mm. to open your Bible there. So Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14 reads, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Mm -hmm. I I told you guys this before, but I feel like all of these passages (laughs) today that we're in are just jam-packed. And even just from the get-go here, for at one time you were darkness. I feel like um, often, mm-hmm. even as Christians, we can forget that like 
what we once were before Christ. It can be so easy to like lose sight of that and then mm. what it means now that we are in him. Mm. And it's easy to lose sight too. And that's probably going to come mm. up more, the idea of sight <laughs> uh, as we go through these texts, but how it's not our own doing. Yeah. Mm. And the idea of we were once darkness and now you are light in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Walk in that light. It's not something that we made happen uh, when we entered into the light, whatever that means, but mm-hmm. it's also something that we don't manufacture now. We walk in it mm-hmm. and we walk in the Lord's leading. And uh, one thing that I noticed just now as you were reading that text Mm -hmm. that we're going to look at some of these texts on how um the the lord's judgment and what that looks like in our lives and paul is basically calling the church to live in that same way Mm -hmm. as being it's 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 delicate because we're not supposed to judge right Mm -hmm. that whole idea but when he says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Mm -hmm. There is an element where we bring judgment, but why? To bring light. Because if you look at verse 13, what does it continue? It says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes Mm -hmm. visible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it is light that makes everything visible. Like Mm -hmm. it all comes back to the light, Mm -hmm. right? And and where does the light come from? Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. it doesn't come from us apart from Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then when we have Jesus, it does like Mm -hmm. emanate from us, Mm -hmm. right? I like the the way that he words it where he says, you were darkness. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like like a part of you was in darkness. Or you Mm -hmm. were just walking in darkness. Yeah, this is like an Mm all-consuming, like this was an identifier of who you were. Mm -hmm. You were darkness. Mm -hmm. Now you're not. Like (laughs) It's not who you are anymore. Um, And now you are light. Mm -hmm. And now that's also the all-encompassing, like you are no longer darkness. You are light. It's like an identity-making statement Mm -hmm. of you are light. And it then tells you where the light comes from, like light in the Lord. Uh, there's just a, a beautiful like freedom in that and then the encouragement to like hey so because that's true like live like it's true walk as children of the light mm-hmm. uh, so this this challenge then to have this be like this is true of you as as your identity so make it also mm-hmm. practically what you do and how you live mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and how you and how you bring that out so like Someone could be like, oh, I'll, I'll sign up for the exposing the darkness. Like, <laughs> sign me up for that. But earlier, it's under the umbrella of goodness, mm-hmm. of righteousness, and truth. And so if, if mm-hmm. you're exposing the darkness, whatever that looks like, um, <laughs> that's another podcast maybe, how we apply that. <laughs> right. But if, if your effort to bring light into a situation is not under the umbrella of goodness, like, mm-hmm. is this good? Mm-hmm. Then probably is not the right way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Is it righteousness or just? You know, is it make things right in my in the world around me for others? Mm-hmm. Then it's probably not the right way to go about it. If it's not truth, if it's based on my own ideas of what's right or wrong, not the truth of Jesus, then probably should stay away from the. But expo- there's something mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. this filter of yeah. what it means to to walk in the light mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a high requirement it is goodness righteousness and uh truth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the emphasis that we really have to key in on is what, Ben, you kind of alluded to before, like the reason why Mm -hmm. we are light Mm -hmm. is because we are abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And we hear that all of, you know, through the Gospels, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so why can we become light to the world? Because Christ abides in us. It's not our own righteousness Mm -hmm. or our, like you said, our own decision to all of a sudden, like, be light or to be goodness. It is Christ shining through us. Um, and so I think that emphasis, we need to constantly remember that mm. um, when we think about this idea of taking light out into the world. It's not mm. our own light that we are shining, but mm. we are to be many tabernacles for the Lord. It is His light that is shining through us. Mm. Yeah. I'm happy you said that, Jenna, because it reminded me of a, um, I want to say it's like in, in, I think it's Luke 4, out of the abundance, the heart flows somewhere in that chapter. And it speaks to, um, these trees that like can't produce fruit. That's not like an olive tree is not going to produce, I don't know, limes. That's not what it says, but you know what I mean? They're maybe not going to produce, maybe figs. That's probably it. That's definitely know. it. Thank you. <laughs> this Seems is like why a more we have pastors here too. <laughs> um, but on what you're saying, like the Lord, the spirit of the Lord will always produce good fruit, mm. you know? Um, mm. And so I just, uh, when when we are light, that will that will happen. Mm. That was good, because there's no tree that does that. Like you, every tree, mm. every apple tree <laughs> yeah. you walk by, there's always going to be like a bad apple, right? I mean, I'm not an apple orchard guy, yeah. but <laughs> when I've been there, it's like there's no tree that only produces good fruit. Mm-hmm. Walking with the Lord, it is only... Um, the fruit of the spirit is only good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then at, towards the end of the text, I don't know if we want to jump there yet, but the awake, O sleeper, it's it's a spiritual awakening, right? And I mean that mm-hmm. ties in with what we see in the John text. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to go to John? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it would be helpful with the John text to give a little summary of what is happening here for those who haven't had a chance to read it because it's quite lengthy. Um, The whole chapter, yeah. yeah. That's where we're at. We are covering all of chapter 9 for John. Um, And there's a lot, like we talked about this, this this text is packed with lots of different things. So there's lots of different directions. So we're going to try to stay focused on where we see kind of the combination of today's text illuminating and what we, we see um, those texts kind of revealing to us, but does anyone want to give like a little bit of a synopsis of what is happening in this text? I'll do my best. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, Jesus and his disciples are uh, going about and they see a man born blind. And uh, right off the bat, there's this interesting um, way that we think about one another. Mm-hmm. His disciples ask, uh, who sinned that this man... Mm-hmm. Um, was born blind. Well, was if it, I can interrupt for a second. His parents, yes, please. I think like we make snap judgments, yeah. right? To come back to that judgment yeah. idea is yeah. they're making a judgment about yeah. this man yeah. based upon what they physically see, yeah. right? So yeah. then they say, well, yeah. And yeah. historically speaking, I think that was like just an understanding yeah. of that time mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Like, oh, an if you have yeah. this thing, you, yeah. must have, yeah. you must come from sin. And yeah. that actually, you could base that on scripture, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? But maybe Jen will speak to that later about how we <laughs> receive 
the words of scripture and uh, how we need to maybe like take a second look. But anyways, um, so Jesus responds, neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm. One, your version, you might have a different version, said the works of righteousness might be displayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine does not. As long as it is this day, we must do the works mm. of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Mm. And so then what happens is he spits on the ground, makes some mud, he puts it on the man's eyes, tells the man to go and wash in the pool. He goes to do that, and his neighbors and, and those around him see those who know him. Isn't this the man who was who was born blind and would sit and beg? And then um, he comes back. He can see. Jesus isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes and washes in this pool. They say, where is this man? Uh, G- the man does not know where Jesus is. And so then they go to the Pharisees, because that's probably the right thing to do to... to you know, get some religious uh, leaders' opinions on the matter. And in <laughs> the man's eyes, uh, he could see, but he was healed on the Sabbath. So, of course, that's going to create some controversy. Um, the man says, he put mud on my eyes. I wash, and now I can see the Pharisees um, are adamant that, that, that whoever did the healing is not from God because no one would do that on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how can a sinner perform such signs? Uh, so they, they, uh, the man calls him a prophet which we probably don't have time to go into, but that is profound Mm -hmm. that it's not, he doesn't say he was a healer. He's like a prophet. Like Mm -hmm. this man healed me is he can say something, the truth about what is Mm -hmm. and what is to come type thing. Um, But they still don't believe uh, that he was born blind. He must not have like, must not have been born blind Mm -hmm. in the first place. Um, So, so they go up to his family the family confirms it's the man and so then, uh, but his parents are funny about it. It's like, he's old enough to answer your questions. Go ask him. Mm-hmm. So in verse 24, the, again, they summon the blind man. Give glory to God by telling the truth, which is ironic. They want him to not focus on whoever this man was, but to give glory to God. They're trying to, in a sense, divide mm-hmm. the God that they worship and this Jesus who did the healing. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this man is a sinner. And he replies, this is beautiful. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, the receptivity of Jesus here is um, is profound because he does not have all the information about who this Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And and so often we can be like, you got to get your, you got to get your, uh, you know, your T's crossed and your eyes dotted with this mm-hmm. Jesus before you can whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like this man is like, I don't know. He healed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and so uh, <clears throat> how did he open your eyes? I've told you already. How did you not listen? Verse 27. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? There's a This is a funny story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how like, you know, his parents talk, how he talks. Then they hurled insults at him. Um, we're disciples of Moses. This is this would not happen in that you know with with our faith this wouldn't happen. The man answered, "Now that this the, now that that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from yet. He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly persons who does as well. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing." And then they replied, "You were steeped in sin." Going back to what the disciples said, <laughs> you know, how dare you lecture us? They throw him out. 
And then I'm just going to read this part. This is the end. Verse 35. Jesus heard they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I like the other version better, by the way. Who, who has that? Uh, Verse like the ESV? 37. It says, Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. So mine's pretty similar. Well, it says what? you have seen him. Oh, yeah. what, was, so. what was yours? <clears throat> you, ha- you have now seen him? You have now seen him. Okay. I think one way of reading it is, hmm. with your translation is, well, let me come back to it. Hold that thought. Okay? <laughs> <I'm holding>. <laughs> then, the man, then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will seek and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Mm -hmm. Um, Just really quickly on that thought that I had that you hold is that one way of reading that is to say, Jesus says, um, you you saw me, mm-hmm. and the man, the standing before you, you now see, mm-hmm. is this idea that that he saw Jesus previously, but we know based on the story that he did not mm-hmm. physically see physically right. see him. Right. Right. And uh, and it's it's very clear on that. It's like the mud and go wash, mm-hmm. and when he returns, Jesus isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like John is very clear, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Jesus was not present when the man could see with his eyeballs. Mm. But yet Jesus could be saying here that you saw me. I recognized Mm. you seeing me, Mm. even when your eyeballs weren't working. Mm. Mm -hmm. Which talks about the idea of maybe a receptivity to faith Mm -hmm. that Jesus saw in this man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love, I mean, Jesus is the initiator here too in that, right? Like this blind man, so he's he's old enough to speak for himself, his parents say, and, and so he's like, I don't know. He's at least old enough to speak for himself. So he's at least mm-hmm. maybe an adult, um, maybe not totally sure what, what age he is. But he's not asking for Jesus to heal him. There are other mm-hmm. stories of blind Bartimaeus yeah, of yeah. crying out, yeah. like, you know, have mercy on me, son of David, like, mm-hmm. you know, make me blind or make me see. Mm-hmm. And but this guy's not, mm-hmm. right? He's just almost a passive bystander. Yeah. The disciples see him, they make reference to him, and Jesus is like, hey, watch. Yeah. And he goes and he heals him and, mm-hmm. and like he didn't ask the guy if he could wipe mud on his face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like this very shocking mm-hmm. experience um, that Jesus just steps into because he was seen, mm-hmm. right? And there's that, that spiritual receptivity uh, of this man where, where Jesus sees it in him and, and he initiates. And that's mm-hmm. what he does with us too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He initiates this relationship. He invites us in. And, uh, and so then later on, Jesus comes back to him and, and talks to him and, and, you know, maybe is like even that consoling figure of like, you've just been cast out of the synagogue. His parents didn't want to speak yeah. because they didn't want that to happen to them. Mm-hmm. There's this fear involved. And so he almost comes to him and consoles him. He's like, hey, listen, there's something better than the synagogue here. And it's your savior. And, and he says, you have seen me. And, and I knew that there was something in you that saw me before you saw me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just that, that initiation on the behalf of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, seeing this man in his need, in his desperation, um, but seeing beyond the physical too. Yeah. And like to tie it in with the Ephesians text, he is, he's now walk, he's walking in the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not walking in darkness in more ways than one. Right. 
We didn't talk about this word anointing in verse six, um, but it doesn't say that he, you know, there's a very specific word used there Mm -hmm. that he spits in the the mud, right? Makes this paste and then (laughs) anoints the Mm -hmm. man's eyes is Mm -hmm. what the text actually says. Um, With mud. With mud, (laughs) which is, you know, it doesn't just say, you know, the, the Bible uses words for a reason. And as John writes, he's writing to make a particular point. So when he uses that mm. word anointing, I think he's making a, a point about what is happening there mm. um, because there's anointing in other stories as well. And we're going to hit one of them um, when we are ready to do that. But yeah. I think that is interesting that that word is used, not just he put the mud on the man's eyes, mm. um, but that there wasn't just a physical healing that Jesus was after here. Um, that word anointing points to something deeper mm. to what God was doing in this situation and, wh- and how Jesus knew he was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could almost say that the spiritual, the spiritual healing that needed to take place wasn't necessarily with this man. Mm-hmm. That when Jesus says the righteousness of God, this is for the righteousness of God to be revealed. Um, because you could, because you could say that he saw Jesus even in his blindness, like he recognized who he was, that there was like a part of him that received Jesus, that John is telling us this story to get to this point of Jesus saying in verse 39, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. This is the righteousness of God being revealed. God's judgment, Jesus's judgment, and um, that righteousness is this idea of making things right. And so, for for him, it he's there's two aspects of this. A lot of times we look at, you know, the judgment of God as being something vengeful, vengeful or wrathful, and so it would make sense to make people who think they can see blind. Mm -hmm. Like that would be a judgmental thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't often look at it as like also bringing judgment by giving sight to the blind. Mm -hmm. And so there's this element where now we're presented with this situation where the Pharisees who have always in their study of the scriptures and study of the Torah, mm-hmm. they 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 already say like they're followers of Mo- disciples of Moses. Mm-hmm. They sh- they in a sense are the ones who can see, mm-hmm. but Jesus draws to their attention that that they're blind, but they haven't acknowledged it yet. Mm-hmm. And um, to walk in the light is to, is to to be willing to be um, judged by the Lord to be able mm-hmm. to bring to that that place of where we can walk in the light and not walk in darkness, mm-hmm. um, wherever we are, yeah. right? Whether we, in our blindness, needs to be able to see or in our thinking that we can see, needing to be able to meet, be uh, have our eyes covered um, to be able to receive the Lord rightly. And it's all good and righteous and true. And it's interesting because we think of the idea of walking in the light. And I think we would think of this idea of like proudly strutting in the light. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you think of this blind man, like he had to be led with this mud pasted over his eyes to the pool. Like there is a weakness and a humility here in which he had to be led. And even where he finds himself 
with Jesus. He has been cast out mm-hmm. of society. Like there is this idea of what the Lord is asking us to do here when mm-hmm. he talks about this idea of receiving sight. Like mm-hmm. he came for the blind. He came for those who humble themselves in order to receive him. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this idea of humility in past podcasts as well. And you can contrast that with the Pharisees who proudly come with knowing, you know, we're from, you know, from Moses, like Mm -hmm. we know this law, we know these scriptures, Mm -hmm. um, and yet they're completely blind in their pride. And we know that he was born in sin. That's Mm -hmm. why he's blind. And we know Jesus is not of God. We know that Jesus is a sinner because no one of God would heal on the Sabbath. They they know... Mm -hmm. They know everything. And I hate to beat up on the Pharisees. Like we, I think, I think we can do that more often than we should. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we probably need to identify more with them than, yes. than like push them away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in that, in all I've said, we do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm not putting them uh, in opposition to me. Like we do that. We judge people not based on goodness, not based on truth, not based on righteousness. And um, that takes us well to our Samuel passage, yeah, though, yeah, doesn't it? Does. it? Take yeah. us there. Yeah. yeah. Even, uh, I mean, even in this passage, some of you mentioned that, like, reading this a second time, or not a second time, but reading this in light of these other scriptures opened your eyes to new meaning that, like, mm-hmm. so, and I'm sure it's not just the case for us, but people listening, too, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can just to go off of what you're saying, like we, like the Pharisees, we can sometimes not see things for what they are. Um, but I'll let us go into the Samuel passage. Um, but just as has, you know, you guys were reviewing it as all the brothers lined up in the living room and, and kind of missing that, um, they were like led there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but not even in a living room. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we come to this Samuel passage and we see here this idea of the Lord's, what the, what the people want or the preconceived notion of what we think um, even the Lord wants mm-hmm. and yeah. who the Lord has actually chosen um, because you know, the Lord calls Samuel to anoint the new king, right? And so Saul had been king, and already we have this theme set up because Saul was a king after the hearts of the people, right? Mm. But not a king after the hearts of the Lord. He was the people's choice, and Mm. he turned out to be not (laughs) the right king. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a new king is going to be chosen by the Lord, and he leads Samuel, and he goes to the family of Jesse and he has all of these sons and they're kind of displayed before Samuel and Samuel begins to make these snap judgments about who is going to be the king. Yeah. Right. And so he starts to look at all these. And as he looks at obviously, you know, the oldest, the oldest, the strongest, the biggest, and he says, thinks surely this is the one on fat in verse six, it says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him, meaning me, Samuel thinks. And then the Lord replies to him in verse 7 and says, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as the man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so we see this idea that like the way that we see is not the same way that God does. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I think like <clears throat> as Samuel is 
is seeing these sons pass before him, and, and the Lord is speaking to him in this way. Um, prior to them getting there, like Samuel had invited them to a sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? And before going, so he invites them out of their living room, right? out of, yeah. out of their so house. It wasn't in the living room? <laughs> yes. They were not lined up and, along uh, the staircase. I know, <laughs> yeah. They may have been by descending height, but uh, just by age. Um, but he says in verse 5, he says, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so they're invited and, and everyone shows up, right? Except for one. <laughs> and so it's interesting, like I hadn't really noticed this before, but as all of the sons are at the sacrifice, Jesse's at the sacrifice, Samuel's at the sacrifice, other people are at the sacrifice, there's somebody missing. And it's the actual one that the Lord wants. And so they pass through all these sons and the Lord's like, hey, listen, it's none of these. And the Lord's not chosen this one. The Lord's not chosen that one. The Lord's not chosen that one. The Lord's not chosen that one. And Samuel's like, hey, listen, are all your sons here? Do we consecrate all of them? Are they here? And he's like, oh yeah, there's still that one left, the youngest. He's tending the sheep though. And so because he's like out and away from the sheep, you you have to assume that he wasn't present at the consecration either. And so when Jesse and his sons are consecrated to go to sacrifice, David wasn't there. He's still out with the sheep. And now David is invited in. So Jesse sent word and brought him in. Uh, Verse 12, he had a ruddy complexion with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So David comes in dirty, muddy, smelly, like he's just been with the sheep. Not ceremonial clean. Not ceremonially (laughs) clean. And the first thing that happens is he's anointed king. <laughs> like this unclean, unkempt, I mean, ruddy, good-looking man, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, it's like he's immediately anointed, using the same word that you talked about with the mud on the eyes of the blind man. Um, he's anointed as king. And so I think that there's just something really neat about that. Like he's yeah. unclean probably at that point, hasn't been consecrated, but is anointed. Mm. Uh, it's just like, And he doesn't he doesn't get explained here either oh, yeah. what is going to happen. Like there is no, would you mind if right. I anointed you? Right. It is the Lord chooses him and he is anointed mm. in the same way that we see with the blind man yeah. and that Jesus anoints him. And going mm. back to Ephesians, we don't make the choice to move from darkness to light. Mm. It is the Lord's doing. And so in all three cases, we see the Lord is the one who is doing the anointing, the moving from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say that um, this idea of seeing is a common theme throughout the weeks that we've like been discussing these passages, yeah. but the same thing with, I mean, especially with these texts, as far as like the man born blind and, and Samuel thinking that he can mm-hmm. see um the right the right Mm. son yeah but it's the lord who looks at the heart and that and that um this idea of of light and being able to see is probably even something that we again another podcast but we should we should contemplate even more because uh are we ready to go to psalm 23 or do you guys have any um because this obviously has a lot of themes as far as the Lord's leading, guiding us as the mm-hmm. good shepherd. Um, and I, I'd love to talk about more of it, but just as far as like this idea of seeing and being in the light, um, the whole, 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm-hmm. um, we that picture there is walking in darkness. I think NIV says, you know, in the darkest valley. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that picture of being able to walk in the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil is the ability to walk in darkness. It's not le- it's not that the shepherd casts a light on you. It's like he leads you through darkness and you fear no evil. But what is something to consider is even though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, that is a shadow of darkness. And Mary, how do we, how do we get a shadow from the light? From the light. <laughs> and so, when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, when you're walking mm. in darkness, you are ultimately mm. with the good shepherd, walking in the light. Yeah, mm. yeah. it's good. It and that's one way because we think that it's just automatically light mm-hmm. when we talk about walking in the light. Yeah. But that might mean for for me that might mean for us for you there are times when you are walking in the light and you cannot see at all which is what we focus on during lent right um i mean in our in our suffering and our like that's what we want to sit in and remember mm-hmm. that like we're not alone in that and even like if we're looking at psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd Shepherd, unlike, you know, the other ways God's described in the Psalms as king, as rock, as shield, which are all true and mighty and wonderful, shepherd, a shepherd actually lives with his flock. Mm. So like, yes, even though we walk through the valley of death, like the good shepherd is with us. Mm. Um, that there's hope even there, especially. Um, yeah. Do we mm. want to walk through? Well, so, I so think much. we could walk through. I mean, I think... <laughs> You you mentioned something earlier mm. before we started recording about what that means for a, sh- a shepherd yeah. to lead a, the sheep down, mm. you know, make them lie down by still waters. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. that was really helpful. And Ben and Jenna and I shouldn't be the only ones who receive <laughs> that. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, I can share that. I just pulled it up. So yeah, the, the psalm starts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. And there was um, a commentary I'd read on it, and I'm not going to put it in my own words because this is just so much better. <laughs> so um, Philip Keller um, writes in A Shepherd Looks, he writes that sheep, they don't lie down easily unless four conditions are met. Um, and if we're looking at this through the lens that we are sheep, right? Um, so he says, because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. And how much more does God do that Mm -hmm. for us to make the way to rest. The shepherd, he's not saying, oh, there's the green pasture sheep, go have your way and rest. Mm -hmm. He's making way and providing in every way that the sheep could need to, like, to be able to enter into that. Mm -hmm. Um, As you're talking, I'm just thinking, like, how often we don't want to act like sheep. Mm -hmm. We don't want to Mm -hmm. allow the shepherd to lead 
Um, we don't, in the darkness, we don't want to trust that the shepherd is doing that good work before us. We instead want to be, not to harp on the Pharisees too much either, but the Pharisees in, in the book of John are trying to figure this out, right? They're trying to map this puzzle together and they're unwilling to see the reality that is in front of them that Jesus restored sight to this mm. man and they're mm. unwilling to accept who Jesus is and so they try to figure out this puzzle by themselves mm. you know we in our inability to sit in darkness want to jump to light sometimes instead of allowing the good shepherd to lead us through darkness and trusting mm. that he's doing the things he needs to do whether it's in the midst of our suffering or in the midst of pain or difficult circumstances um, that he is the good shepherd and he is yeah. leading us in doing these things um, to bring us to a place of rest. Yeah, a place of rest, a place of not fearing evil, mm -hmm. a place of uh, shall not wanting or yeah. lacking yeah. nothing. Mm -hmm. um, of overflowing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just noticing it now, but even as the, the t verses right after, I shall not walk through the valley of, um, of the shadow of death, are... And then it's, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And we know that like the rod and the staff are symbols of what? Of like correction, of discipline. Of judgment. Of almost. judgment. Mm -hmm. But they provide this comfort and they are coming right during that part of like mm -hmm. being in the valley. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like, yeah, I think we oftentimes we, we just, like you're saying, Jenna, like, want to always be in the light or think it's always going to, not that we, we are in the light as children mm -hmm. of God, but we view it wrongly. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's like, um, viewing these times of suffering, even like our season of Lent as opportunities for like a recalibration mm -hmm. almost. It's a good word. Yeah. 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 I think this idea, like what you were pointing to with the rod and the staff, takes us back, Jason, to what you were saying in chapter 9 of John at the very end where Jesus talks about that idea of judgment mm -hmm. and how we sometimes wrongly perceive what God's judgment is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the, it's in the Pharisees' best interest to, to either get to the point where they can say, um, help us to see that we are blind. Mm -hmm. or that's, you're right, actually, we're blind. Can you give us sight? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, either way, right? It's, but it's like, it's, it's, it's receiving the judgment that he came to bring into this world. Mm -hmm. And um, we would do well to, to receive that. And it's so, it's so um, in opposition to way, the way that we mm -hmm. normally think about the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of hard to wrap my, for me personally, to wrap my mind around mm -hmm. it because I'm so accustomed to thinking as judgment as being something that's bad for me. Mm -hmm. But just to put it as simple and plain as possible, that the good, that the God who is only good, mm -hmm. even though that judgment might hurt, mm -hmm. is ultimately going to be good yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, like the rod and the staff, it might. Yeah you know, be painful at times to get me on the path that I need to be walking on. Um, but it, it's going to be so much better than my own ideas of what might be good um, when I wander off and like do my own thing. Mm -hmm.
Well, and what comes next in the text is you you prepare a table before me. Mm-hmm. It's like that rod and that staff led to this bountiful mm-hmm. feast prepared with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, to be a light mm-hmm. in the darkness, the dark, the enemies. Mm-hmm. So yes. like be- a presence before my enemies. Yeah. But if I'm doing it for good, I do not sit at the table saying, look at me, what I get to eat and what you don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're either eating, I've heard one person say, I can't remember who who it was, but he talked about how that is an opportunity for the enemy to be jealous. Mm. I know this sounds odd, but to be jealous of the table that you have and that they would desire it themselves. Mm -hmm. It's also a picture of the possibility of us pulling up a chair Mm -hmm. for our enemy to sit at the table because in our Ephesians text, exposing the darkness, it is not to put people in their place. Or to cast people out as right. the Pharisees wanted yeah. to. Yeah, it is yeah. to invite them to light mm-hmm. and to sit mm-hmm. at the table. Mm-hmm. Or at least, and I kind of like it, at least to make them jealous. Mm-hmm. Well, God's <laughs> jealous for our hearts, right? Like yeah. there's a righteous sort of mm-hmm. jealousy. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, give, it's putting them in such a position that they are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so the, the table for that's prepared because it's interesting it's like prepared in the presence of our enemies like there's that idea of like they are able to see it Mm -hmm. and they're able to observe what god has done in us as we're walking in the light whether it's dark or not and then they they, they'll either want it or we ourselves will pull up a chair pick whatever you want that's Mm -hmm. good in the situation Mm -hmm. that's that's how we're walking in the light there. Mm. That's good. Nice. I think um, just as a way to kind of bring some of this together, um, we've talked a lot about the Pharisees and kind of harped on them a little <laughs> bit, but I think we need to also take a minute and see ourselves in the Pharisees as well um, in our tendency to bring misconceptions <laughs> or, to Or things. Samuel. Or Samuel, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That we often come with our own misconceptions about who God is, mm. right, of... Um, what judgment looks like. Um, mm-hmm. We often come to the text with misconceptions. Mm-hmm. We all did that this yeah. week um, mm-hmm. and talked about how in that Samuel text, we had misconceptions about what was actually happening and mm-hmm. happening in that, which mm-hmm. I, by the way, I really want to get out my children's Bible to see what the <laughs> picture is. Cause yeah. I have Please a feeling it to <laughs> that it is a bunch of boys lined up in a yeah, living room, probably. but we do that. We mm-hmm. bring our own misconceptions mm-hmm. to the text. We bring our own misconceptions about God all the time instead of being blind and mm-hmm. coming into a text or a situation and asking the Lord to reveal himself mm-hmm. or reading a text just without um, trying to remember what it is that we learned before or mm-hmm. bringing preconceived notions mm-hmm. um, and how much you can learn from just observing God's word, mm-hmm. how much you can learn. You look at what the Pharisees did. They were unwilling to just observe Jesus. Yeah. They were unwilling to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to jump straight to application, right? Mm-hmm. We come to a text and we just want to think like, what's in this for me? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I already know this. Let me jump straight to the application point I already know instead of mm-hmm. slowly taking our time in humility to step back and think, what does the Lord have to teach me mm-hmm. about this? And what do I, what can I learn about? Not just what can I apply to my life, but what mm-hmm. can I learn about his character and who he is? Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we just, in our humanness, 
want to act like the Pharisees in that way. Yeah, yeah. So. it'll give clarity to what the light is that we're walking in. Yes, when mm-hmm. we better understand who He is mm-hmm. as yes. the light. That's mm-hmm. good. good. That's great. Mm-hmm. Even as we're going through this, I, I know for myself the the you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I always viewed it as like even though I'm in this suffering, like God has so much for me even here, but. Mm-hmm. Like just even right now in this podcast, you open my eyes to what else that can be saying to me um, and to all of us, um, which is just such a beautiful thing about the scriptures um, and about um, like digging into them, not just on our own, but in community too. Um, you guys help me so much with that. And, you know, it's our prayer that it this will do the same thing for you as well, listening or watching. And Um, I think that beautifully leads us into our call for the week um, that you would consider um, being rightly led by the Good Shepherd Mm -hmm. to consider what that might mean and what um, misconceptions you might have had about what the Lord's shepherding actually means and can look like in your life. So... um, we invite you to reflect on those things and um, and just trust that it will be a blessing to you because as we mentioned before, like when we walk as children of the light and we are in the light, when we are in Christ, like the Lord's fruit is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we invite you to, to reflect on those things and um, we look forward to sitting with you next week.